Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part two of my conversation with Eddie Watson from American Association of Colleges and Universities. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. You are about to hear part two of our conversation with Eddie Watson from American Association of Colleges and Universities. Please be sure to listen to our previous episode to hear part one of this conversation. Can you talk a little bit about um, the, I mean, you also have a new institute on ePortfolio mm-hmm. and um, you are now also working a lot on open educational resource. Um, two of which two two things that I I'm very passionate about, very interested in. Um, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So you know, AAC and you, we've been doing summer institutes for maybe three and a half decades. So long before I joined AAC and you, and having engaged in in institutes as a faculty mentor. So my first year at AACNU, I served as a faculty mentor for the Institute on General Education and Assessment. And going through that week-long experience, I felt like, wow, this is the most important work that maybe we do at AACNU. You know, we, we bring together a campus team, they develop an action plan, they get feedback on that action plan, and then they go back to their campus and they enact it. And typically we follow up maybe six months later, at least for the um, Genetic and Assessment Institute to sort of see how they're doing, provide another mentoring session. But one of the ideas that we had within the last year was the notion of what if rather than a a deep, impactful four or five day experience, and then they leave to go off and do it themselves, what if we adjusted the model to make it a year-long experience. So there'd be a kickoff experience that would be quite a bit shorter, maybe just two, two and a half days where we help a campus plan. And then we have recurring meetings with them and recurring programming throughout the year, webinars, another sort of extensive experience um, around um, the middle of the year, and then another closing experience that is really about how do you sustain your engagement and activity. So we we kind of uh, rethought uh, the Institute model for the inaugural Institute on ePortfolios. So that launched in January of this year. So we're, we're working with that first cohort. And actually, we just had the closing um, date for uh, campuses to apply for the 2022 year. And we found that the applications for 2022 have nearly doubled. Wow, you know, we, congratulations. We all, yeah, that's really exciting. And mm-hmm. we've seen that a real surge, a, a spike in the number of proposals to our to speak at the the forum on open learning and ePortfolios. So what's often colloquially known as the, the the ePortfolio forum. This coming January, we've we've seen a surge, record numbers of proposals, at least in my time working with the forum over the last six or seven years. Um a record number of proposals for that. So it seems like we're reaching an, an interesting point in the ePortfolio world right now, where there's there's new programming from AACNU, new tools, new opportunities, but we're seeing uh, campus engagement 
as as reflected or measured in in applications to our new institute and proposals to the forum as sort of uh, increased interest, more activity. So it seems like um, maybe looking at uh, the zeitgeist around e-portfolios, we see that there's uh, definitely more engagement. Um, an increasing and upswing in engagement around e-portfolios. But we're excited with how the first institute's gone. You know, we're maybe, I guess, about nine-twelfths of the way through mm-hmm. that first, um, our first cohort. And, um, you know, a couple of things that we learned. One is that it's really important for a campus team to have a, a leader of that mm-hmm. team that embraces that role. So they bring people back together. They keep people in movement. They serve to inspire. They serve to share resources. So the team leader role is super, super important to the success of a team, especially sort of over the stretch of a of a full year. But we're definitely seeing um, progress on many of these campuses. I'm very, very excited about the outcomes of this thus far. And so we've taken that year-long model and launched a, a new institute focused specifically on open educational resources. So kind of accelerating campus mm-hmm. um, uh, engagement or um, adoption of open educational resources, often referred to as OER. So that one kicked off just in July. So we kind of have our two year-long institutes um, out on a staggered six-month schedule. The the ePortfolio Institute will kick off every January. The Institute on OER will kick off every July. And we do intend to keep those as year-long experiences. I think it's just great that you're doing these um, institutes. Um, I, I don't know people, you know, working on the OER Institute, but I have... Um, a few friends who is part of the uh, the ePortfolio Institute, and they um, had really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think that they had felt that you know there there is a a significant material difference made in, on their campuses. So, oh, that's fantastic job. to hear! Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. Um, I mean, I didn't really. I didn't. Ex- I didn't expect them not to because I mean, it's like it. It sound, It looks really good, and uh, at least from from where I stand, and uh, um, and and it's really run by some of the some of the best people in the field. You know, so um, yeah, we do have each. All of our institutes have experts that serve as faculty mentors for maybe three or four campuses. And so we have on the faculty for the Institute on ePortfolios, myself, um, Terry Rhodes was on it before he um, retired uh, earlier this Mm -hmm. year. uh, Helen Chen, a name that will be familiar to most, as well as Tracy Pennylight, David Hubert are among the um, faculty, and Amelia Parnell, who's uh, a vice president at NASPA, so bringing in sort of a co-curricular perspective as well. She's on our faculty, too. And so we're definitely going to be looking to increase the faculty size, um, given the number of applicants that we've received thus far. So I'm excited to see that pool of expertise grow um, as we go into our 2022 cycle. Yeah, that's excellent. And I I know that there are a lot of directions that we can go, but I I I think that one of the things that AAC and you has always um, meant to me, um, even if we look at your annual conference that you host every year, where lots of presidents and provosts and deans um, 
uh, highly influential people and stakeholders at various campuses come together for you know three four days depending on you know what the what role they are at and whether they go into the pre-conference and whatnot um that you aacnu has always reacted to address some of the most pressing um, contemporary issues in higher education um and that's something that uh, I feel like as an organization, you have a, a sits at a unique position to to help do that, to help bring people together and and share ideas and practices that you know, like what happened at various different campuses, and you can have people who who um, who can make changes as they go back to the campus. Um, quickly and and make you know the needle move really, and so it feels like that more than I don't know it feels like more than ever the last few years you know those contemporary issues were uh, hot and pressing. Um, what are some of the some of the ones that I don't know either ones that you remember as being memorable or things that you feel like are. Uh, are most interesting going on right now on campuses? Well, I think that maybe the, the, the issues that we see discussed most often these days are really in terms of what we've, we've been referring to internally at AACNU as the, as the dual pandemics that are COVID-19 and racism. So, you know, campuses, of course, had to pivot dramatically in March of 2020 mm-hmm. into online learning. And then, you know, there was massive faculty development as a result on, on most campuses. And then, you know, moving from emergency remote teaching into hopefully a set of, of better practices as we got into the fall semester and then the spring semester. And then, of course, we had a June that looked better when you look at the charts regarding uh, COVID cases, and then we've seen a, a return, a, a spike. And so some campuses have have pivoted or have had variations of pivots. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's do online for the next two weeks, and let's come back together and see if maybe that has helped our our campus, our community control um, the COVID cases. So certainly, there's a whole set of practices and policies that have resulted from from COVID-19. And then, of course, the the um, the murder of George Floyd that brought uh, increased uh, attention to racism in the United States. And one of the great outcomes from that horrible tragedy was the refocusing on notions of equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, as being key topics for campuses to um, focus on and engage with. And so Tia McNair's work at um, AACNU has very much focused in this space and continues to speak to that that zeitgeist. So I would say that a lot of our our foci at the moment, um, you know, as we're arcing to our annual meeting, is sort of thinking about that dual pandemic and how can we help campuses best prepare to respond to those grand challenges. Mm-hmm. And I... And I I know that um, I know that various um, campuses all have di- face different different issues, and um, uh, 
some such as in your previous institution in in Georgia, you know, have, you know, there are um, a lot of um, um, political influences and agenda that goes into, you know, um, you know, from the states to the, you know, from a po political environment to an educational. And where I am now in North Carolina also has a very similar thing um, going on, you know. Uh, do you see some... What what do you what do you see as being you know an outcome of this? How are we going to be able to um, like what's what's going to happen next? You have you have your magic eight ball here. Boy, I I wish I had a magic eight ball that was accurate. That would be fantastic. You know, <laughs> okay, I, what's your inaccurate magic eight ball ball say? <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, I I, yeah. I we moved. Um, we we sold our home in Georgia. Uh, we closed on the sale of our home the same month. Uh, March of 2020, um, that as as COVID was was forcing campuses to pivot. So it's been interesting that my new perspective on the state is that uh, of a parent. My my youngest son Carter is a student at the University of Georgia right now, um, and so we get lots of stories and photographs and uh, texts <laughs> regarding how things are progressing on on that great campus. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It's, I think that my, my perspective has, has shifted and, um, been influenced by being a parent that has a child on the campus and also continuing to be Facebook friends with many of the faculty there, you know, mm -hmm. as the former director of the center for teaching and learning there, I had lots of, uh, faculty that I'd become close to friends with. And so seeing the, the narratives that, um, appear um, in their social media. Uh, one in particular, I, I have the interesting um, fortune, I guess, of a, a close colleague is also now currently teaching my my son. And I sort of get some interesting perspectives or insights into the class. Uh, one class in particular where, as of a couple of weeks back, maybe 9% of the students uh, in that class were known to have COVID. So, my son, you know, goes into the classroom, you know, the following day. And as a parent, like, am I making the right decision given the data that I have in, in front of me right now? And, you know, my parents are, my dad turns 80 in two or three weeks. So, you know, when Carter comes up to visit, would I, would I encourage him to go see his grandfather or would I not? So it's very, it's become very personal, you know, rather than, yeah. you know, thinking about it as a, from a national higher ed perspective. So it's, it's not a statistic it, anymore. It's going to have a, a real, real, like real life impact to you. Very personal. Right. It's become an N yeah. of one. I, I've yeah. got one that I'm kind of focused on <laughs> right. day to day activities. And um, yeah, he was like really excited. Hey dad, I got tickets to see Jason Isbell. Hey, that's great. Is this an indoor show? Is this an outdoor show? Are you sure this is the right thing? No dad, it's outdoors. We'll be standing. Okay. I still don't feel really comfortable about this, but if I was 19 or 20, I might make the same decision, unfortunately. So, so I, I don't know if that, that doesn't really speak to the magic yeah. eight ball. I mean, I, I look every day I search, I go to Google and I search for COVID cases in us. And then there's the graph yeah. and then you can sort by, you know, state and locality and things like that. And so I invariably look at those things and see where are we, how, you know, wh where do we appear to be going? Um, I, I, I don't think we're out of the woods by any means. 
Um, I would, I've heard national public health experts speak that maybe we'll be in a better position at the close of the spring semester. I would, I, I hope for that. I hope we don't see another variant like the Delta that, um, uh, sees it, brings us another spike, but, um, I guess I'm thinking that we're going to have a little bit of a rocky next few months and hopefully we'll see more daylight when the spring comes regarding COVID. Yeah. Um, and I hope that, you know, we'll be able to resume some of those conferences. Um, I mean, AACNU puts out, you know, various conferences and one of, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite, um, time of the year to to gather and you know we've always uh, really enjoyed it and you know last year being completely virtual uh, really made it very different um yeah so we're hoping to you know it's supposed to be in dc in january and mm -hmm. the main conference is 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 planned to be virtual so some face-to-face -face experiences, some online experiences. We have pivoted the forum on open learning and e-portfolios to fully virtual. So that'll be Monday, January 24th, I believe. So an all-day, fully online experience. But there, there will the, the main conference, um, assuming um, public health will allow, well, we, we intend for it to be a face-to-face -face conference. In, in February, we have our general education pedagogy and assessment conference, and that's scheduled for San Diego. And we will have virtual elements, but it's also uh, planned to be a face-to-face -face conference, have, have a face-to-face -face presence in San Diego. But again, you know, we that's part of the reason why I search for COVID cases in U.S. every morning is right. just to sort of see, are we on the same trajectory? Um yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a difficult calculus. I think anyone that's doing conferences these days um, is uh, trying to do the calculus as best they can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, you had mentioned um, before the dual pandemic: one is COVID, and the other one is racism. Um, I I know that we touched on that maybe a little bit, you know on you know, the, the, you know, what George Floyd had brought forth, you know, the, the, the national and international conversation. Um, and, um, I mean, I do see, you know, all kinds of, uh, news happens all the time and, 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 uh, on, on campuses, you know, on various campuses. Um, what are some of the, um, common things that you're, you're, you're hearing from, um, from, from various campuses right now in terms of fighting, you know, racism and, um, you know, trying to create a, a more diverse and, and equitable and inclusive um, um, place for, for students and for faculty and for staff. Well, I think that is one of the outcomes is that higher education institutions, individuals on campuses are recognizing this as a pandemic and beginning to lean into trying to find solutions, working toward solutions in that domain. So I, I mentioned Tia McNair's work earlier. Mm -hmm. She has a project that's known as Truth, Racial Healing and Transformation. So TRHT is the shorthand mm -hmm. for that, but there's an institute associated with it. There's grant work that's supporting that work as well to help campuses do deep dives into that work. So we're, we're, that is an, an outcome that we're seeing is that many on campuses are indeed trying to make the pivot to think about institutional racism and changes that they might make at that level. Mm -hmm. Faculty are thinking about 
inclusive pedagogical practices just within their individual um, classroom settings. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely don't want to paint a picture that wow, this is great, and now we're we're making uh, a great deal of progress. I think that in in many ways we're many are trying to f- just figure out what is the appropriate next step. I mean, we it's it's a a many many year process that's ahead of us, but at least attention has turned in this space. More people are engaging than previously. And that, that is encouraging as we, as we look, look forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, we actually, uh, now I don't know when exactly this episode is going to be aired, uh, but we actually just, um, you know, this is right now towards the end of September and we, launched um, two, uh, my, our first two episodes of season two is by uh, Sam Asensio, who's, um, who's a uh, uh, student at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. And he, um, uh, in this case, wasn't, um, wasn't uh, for racism, but it's for um, the LGBTQ community. Um, and he over the course of COVID, the COVID year, basically launched a peer mentoring program by students for students, uh, and ultimately got funding actually to um, to to make it um, sounds like more or less a permanent uh, uh, thing where the mentors are getting paid, and I think they're maybe hiring a full time position for it altogether. That's fantastic! Um, isn't that amazing? It is. Um, but I I I kind of feel like that on one hand there's you know the the the, the, the kind of work that, um, um, you know, having these national conversations and having um, all the people that can, that can make things happen on their campuses to come together and, and say, hey, this is, you know, we've got to treat it like a pandemic, right? Because look what we did for the other pandemic, because we had to treat, we had to deal with it. And I think this is something that we also have to deal with. Um, and, uh, and, uh, but then on the other hand, I just love the idea that students themselves, or maybe in some cases, faculty, you know, themselves are, um, are empowering themselves to become the, 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 the agent of change and, and, and make things happen. Yeah, indeed. I, I completely agree. Um, and maybe that's the, that's the type of thing that, uh, we get to see, um, more um even you know at uh, at, at AACNU you know um uh uh and, and as we always do actually of all of the various issues that always come up you know over time um anything else that you can preview for us you know for AACNU what are some exciting things that uh, you you know as you look look out you know in the in the next six months 12 months are, are interesting what do you recommend people do well, there's a, a few things. Um, depending on when this airs, on October 21st and 22nd of this year, we're having our first symposium on academic integrity. It's a two-day event where we're really looking at sort of probing what are some of the challenges that have emerged. And many campuses have noted you know, doubling, tripling, quadrupling of cases of um, academic mm. integrity um, issues. So probing what is that landscape what does it look like? 
And then what are some practical solutions? And we're going to have student panels, uh, panels of faculty, panels of, of IT specialists, university presidents, really trying to draw in everyone that's a part of that conversation to the conversation to bear some um, direction for individuals on campuses to figure out how to, to navigate this new landscape. So there's that, that's something new um, that, that's related to my work. We also have a, a new issue of the International Journal of ePortfolio coming out probably in about, I would hope by the end of October that we would have that particular issue out, but we're really close um, to that. The deadline for the spring issue, if you're thinking about submitting, is December 1st. In fact, our deadlines are pretty much the same from year to year. December 1st for the spring issue, and then June 1st for the fall issue. So we have a pretty quick turnaround time tell, between... Tell years. people about it. Tell, tell people about what the International Journal of ePortfolio is, um, in case people don't know, because it's... it's it, there, there, there are differences between one journal and another, and I think this one is, you know, there's something, you know, it's, I'll let you explain it. Okay. So, yeah, the International Journal of ePortfolio is a, a journal that looks holistically at ePortfolios. So whether you're using ePortfolios for teaching and learning, whether you're using it for assessment, maybe professional development, um, maybe for faculty activity reports, I mean, whatever it might be that you're, that you're using ePortfolios for, um, the International Journal of, of ePortfolio, we, we call it iGEEP. Um, so iGEEP is seen as a vehicle for highlighting either research studies regarding ePortfolio or um, just best practice. So you have like a literature review that explains, sort of sets the stage for why you're doing something on your campus, and then you describe it in great detail so that it could actually be replicated on another campus. So each issue has sort of a breadth of topics and issues and perspectives regarding ePortfolios. And one thing about iGEEP is that it, since it was first published 12 years ago, I guess, it has been a open access full text journal. So in other words, every article ever, ever published, you don't need passwords, you don't have to log in, your library doesn't have to subscribe to it. Just if you've got an internet connection, you can go directly to the igeep.com and there you will find every article ever published by the journal. I think that open access is, is one of the things that, that helps the community kind of move forward. You don't have, um, you know, hurdles to prevent you from being able to engage in the most recent scholarship or the lineage of the scholarship regarding ePortfolios as published within the journal. And of course, it's peer-reviewed, which is oh, indeed. Um, which is important. Um, which, um, it, it, it also, I mean, there's something about that, that, um, you know, as academics, but also especially in the U U.S., you know, higher education market, um, uh, you know, uh, just like what we were talking about, having the, um, you know, people coming together and having, uh, uh, supporting each other, but also like what you were saying before about the, um, the um, Value Institute, where you're training other people who are actually from um, other institutions to kind of support your institution. Um, these are, I, I think there is something, you know, really amazing, like collegial about how this works. Well, I think one of the yeah. things that we did from the very beginning, so Peter Doolittle and I launched the journal together at Virginia Tech around 2010 mm -hmm. or somewhere around that ballpark figure. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he and I both talked about intentionally was the notion of the peer review process being an act of scholarly mentorship. 
So I think those of uh, us um, watching this probably have had the experience of submitting an article and then you get back feedback, but sometimes it might not, it might be a little mean spirited sometimes. Sometimes the rhetoric isn't exactly what you would like. So that's part of what we um, encourage of our reviewers is to think about the review that you're doing as an act of scholarly mentorship. Like what advice would you give for improving this article? We would like to think that every article submitted to the journal is on a path toward publication. And so how might we help people get there? How might we encourage their work? And it might be that IG isn't the perfect or the best um, vehicle for publish, publishing a particular article given its focus, but let's let's give them what we can so that as they take it to the next, um, you know, the next opportunity for for publication, that we're actually helping them move that that forward. So we we've always talked about the notion of peer review being for for our journal an act of scholarly mentorship. Mm-hmm. And it and it shows. Uh, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a great um, community of uh, people who have who have uh, been involved with it. Also, um, as the the reviewers and the editors and so on. So you've really you know done done an amazing thing for the community. Um, well, Eddie Watson, thank you again for being here. You are always an inspiration and just. Uh, I feel like that there are so many things that we could talk about that, you know, going through so many topics in just one hour is making my head hurt a little bit. Uh, but it's, it's worth it. Um, it's, it's, it feels like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really great to see good people spending a lot of energy on doing these important things. And you are always on the ball and, and getting these things done. And I just am so glad that an organization like AACU exists and that they keep employing people like you um, to, to, keep, um, to keep the world moving in a, in, a, in a really good, positive direction. Well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity to chat like this. It's been a little while since you and I have had a long conversation, so I've really enjoyed this. Well, yeah, I forced you to do this, so that's 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 why I did it. Well, I got <laughs> this right. free set of headsets, so I, you know, <laughs> it's worth it. All right. Thanks, Eddie, and uh, let's talk again soon. Probably yeah. see you at, uh, at the conference. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Take care. You too. Education Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius. Thanks for listening.